0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome listeners, to your continuation of The City of the Dead, from the Adventures of Morse series. Remastered in all its lovely glory, I've been using a new compressor technique to really flatten out spikes in these episodes, And bring up the bass and clarity in the mid-levels. I hope you notice the difference. Now mates, my voice is 70% there. I'm not sure if you guys and gals can hear it. It's a little bit... blocked, you could say. And I practically slept through the weekend. So I'm on the mend. Should be good for this Wednesday coming, I think. But today I bring you the mysteries of... The City of the Dead. Will Clawfoot kill another person? If so, who? Is there something hidden? In the city of the dead that makes the risk of one's life worth taking. We'll find out. And because I'm not doing an outro, I'll be sleeping some more. Thank you so much in advance for listening. And join me Wednesday where I feel like I can get back into my old routine of thank yous and proper email responses. I'm already feeling better, but not 100% yet. Either way, I'll bring you the best that I can. Now turn the lights off, the sound up. And I'll catch you Wednesday.
1: Adventures by Morse. Counting Morse presents The City of the Dead, featuring Captain Friday.
2: If you like high adventure, come with me. If you like the stealth of intrigue, come with me. If you like blood and thunder, come with me.
1: Eight o'clock on the third night in the City of the Dead. In the afternoon of the second day in the old abandoned cemetery, Captain Friday had locked Jimmy Parker and Phyllis Carroll together and had taken his father, the mayor, and old Dr. Tuner to Lanny cabin on the edge of the cemetery. They had found three bodies in the cellar. One was the strangled body found in old Ernie Morton's grave. The second was the body of the man whom the claw-footed phantom had killed at the back of the mayor's cottage. The third was Lamy Fink. According to Captain Friday, he'd been scared to death. That's right.
2: And while we were in the cellar examining the bodies, the cabin mysteriously burst into flames and we barely escaped with our lives. The bodies were completely consumed. After this experience, the old mayor, my father, complained of being tired. And returned to his cottage inside the gates of the City of the Dead. Dr. Tuner and I went down to the deserted ruins of a church to look for the phantom church bell. In the musty rectory where the bell ringer had hanged himself ten years before, we found old Clawfoot amusing himself with a human skeleton. But the queer creature with flowing beard and flowing robes got away from us. Returning to the caretaker's cottage, we found my dad upset and Phyllis Carroll with a stab wound in her back just under the shoulder blade. Jimmy Parker had been locked in the room with the girl at the time, but he denied the deed. Then Phyllis regained consciousness and sobbed out, Oh, Jimmy, why did you stab me? That was at two in the afternoon. Now at eight in the evening, Dr. Tuner is with his patient.
3: Dr. Tuner, am I going to die?
4: (laughs) I reckon you aren't even going to be very sick, Miss Carroll. Just lost your mind of blood, and your wound won't even leave a scar. Feel much better after a little sleep, don't you?
3: Oh, I, I've been asleep.
4: Well, sure you have. Here, let me fix that pillow.
5: All
4: right. You're on your left side, just a little. Mm. At least that sick shoulder of yours. Look mighty pretty in that outfit, Miss Carroll. with there that pain on you?
3: Oh, I must look terrible. I've been crying so much. But
4: well, you're not a bit but of it. You look like a young girl should look.
3: Oh, Doctor Tuner. What would make Jimmy do a thing like that?
4: Uh, you'd better let Captain Friday figure that out. That's his business. By the way, he wants to bring Parker in here as soon as you feel like it.
3: Oh, no, please. I I can't face Jimmy after after.
4: Well, I reckon that'll be necessary, Miss Carol.
3: Do I have to see him?
4: Can't be helped, I'm afraid.
3: Well, all right, then.
4: Good. We'll have him in now and get it over with. Captain Friday and his father have Parker in his room giving him a going over. I'll just call him. Hi there, Captain.
2: That you, Doctor?
4: Miss Carroll's ready to see you next door. Good. Come on out, fella. Come on, Mayor. I'd rather not see Phyllis tonight.
2: Well, what you want hasn't got anything to do with it. Go on in there and sit down. Okay. Have it your way, then. No. I want you facing the girl. Sit in that straight chair. Yeah, if I'd have known there's going to be all this rumpus, I'd have said take him to the city and lock him up from the first. Never mind, Mayor. We'll get things straightened out for you in the city of the dead. I know the reason why. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, Parker? No, I'm not. I suppose you only regret that you didn't kill Miss Carroll outright, huh? Oh, Jimmy. You look here. I didn't stab Phyllis. How many times do I have to tell you? Miss Carroll says you did. Well, I didn't. You said he did, didn't you, Miss Carroll? Yes. You see, Parker? I'd like to hear her tell how I did it. I haven't any objection to that. Miss Carroll, do you mind?
3: How could you, Jimmy? And all the time I thought it was you and me against everyone.
2: Phyllis, how can you even say. Never mind, Parker. Tell your story, Miss Carol.
3: Well, we were talking... Tell us what
2: you were talking about.
3: I I wanted to tell you everything we know about all this. I, I wanted to take a chance that you would help us out of a bad situation. Jimmy said no. He said that we... Go on. He said the circumstantial evidence was too strong against us. That we might... You might we, what? We might be found guilty of murder by our own words.
2: Oh, uh, I see. And you wanted to take a chance and tell anyway.
3: Yes. I thought if we told everything now, we'd have a better chance than if we waited for you to find out for yourself.
2: Good deduction, Miss Carroll. Well, then what happened?
3: Well, we talked and talked, and and then I got angry. I turned my back and walked toward the door. Then, Miss Carroll? And then Jimmy stabbed me, and I fainted. No.
2: No, Phyllis. No, I didn't.
3: But it must have been you, Jimmy. We were locked in the room alone. It
5: happened.
2: Just a minute. Miss Carroll, is that your only reason for believing Parker stabbed you? Why, why, yes. Did you see a knife in the room previous to the attack? No. Did you see Parker walk towards you or know that he was approaching you before the blow was struck? No. Did he say anything just before you fainted?
3: Why, why, no. Of
2: course not. Then all you know is that you were stabbed while locked in the room with Parker, and for that reason you suppose it was he that had done it.
3: Well, but how could it have been anyone else?
2: Didn't you ever hear of a knife thrown, Miss Carroll?
3: You mean... You mean somebody threw a knife at me from the window?
2: Why not? Wouldn't have been the first knife tossed through a window.
3: Well, then it wasn't, Jimmy. Then you didn't. Oh, Jimmy, I'm so ashamed.
2: Phil, I didn't do it. Honestly, I didn't.
3: Why, of course not. I know you didn't. Oh, Jimmy, can you ever forgive me?
2: Of course, Phil. It's all right. Here, take my handkerchief. Oh,
3: I've been such a fool.
2: Forget it.
3: But I've been so miserable. Oh, Jimmy, I I felt so bad I could die.
2: It made me sick, Phil, when I found out you thought I'd done it. I I just couldn't believe it.
3: Oh, I didn't want to think it, Jimmy. but, But, well, I didn't see any other way
2: out. All right now, Parker, come on back to your chair. Your hands aren't clean in this business yet.
3: Oh, of course he's innocent. It's silly even to think of it anymore. Silly?
2: Well, then listen to what the mayor has to say on the subject. Go ahead, then.
4: Don't want to be dragged on on murder trials. Come on,
2: Dad. Now, don't get temperamental.
4: Don't sass me, young fella. Don't care if you
2: are a detective. Use my son first. Look, Mayor, do you want this business cleaned up or don't you? Well, I was coming up on the porch after returning from Lammy Fink's cabin where I left you folks. Yes? Heard a scream. Girl's voice? Naturally. Seeing how it was Miss Carroll. All right. Then what? Then ran into the house and unlocked the door where them two youngsters been locked up. Yes. One. And there was this fella, Parker, standing over the girl with both his hands bloody, and he was holding the knife. Oh, well, what of it? Naturally, my hands would be bloody from pulling the knife out of Phyllis's shoulder, wouldn't they? That sounds pretty thin. Why wasn't you doing something for the girl instead of just standing over her with the knife in your hand? Well, I was... I was so stunned by what had happened, I... I didn't know what I was doing. It looks mighty funny to me. Well, I can tell you some other things that look mighty funny, too. Why did you lock Phyllis and me up the first night? Where were you last night when old Clawfoot was roaming around? Why did Dr. Tuna here say you didn't have a telephone the first night we came? There's plenty for you fellas to explain, too, if you ask me. Captain, take that kid out of here. Take him out. Out no, there. Take him away, I say. Lock him up down at the city. Do anything you got a mind to, but get him out of my house. We all fired presumption of kids in this day and age. huh? No,
4: I... now, no, look here, Mayor. You haven't any call to be belligerent. You've been picking on him all evening.
5: Picking on him? Picking on him? He's guilty, ain't
4: he? I'm not so certain myself, Mayor. Well, I am. After all, Mayor, you haven't explained to us where you were while the Phantom was murdering that fellow at the back of the house last night? I don't reckon I'm
2: beholden to any of you. I'm Mayor of the City of the Dead, and if I take it on myself to go down into the city among my citizens, it ain't anybody's business but my own. Of course not, Dad. Now let's just forget all this quarreling and see if we can't untangle some of these threads.
4: I'm agreeable, Captain.
2: In the two days I've been here, one thing stands out. There's some force at work in the City of the Dead. What you mean, force? Some group or groups of people acting in their own interests down among the graves.
4: And I'd just like to lay my hands on them. Yeah,
2: I am. Well, there are three possible places from which this force may originate. Three? Yes, Dr. Tuner, three. First, there's this clawfoot phantom of ours. You know, he's a murderer. Didn't we see him kill the fellow at my window? He killed him, all right. What we don't know, however, is whether or not he's a force working against us. If he is against us, why did he attack the man who was trying to break in and disturb us?
4: By Jasper, Captain, you mean Clawfoot's working with us and again the enemy? Uh, I don't know.
2: Now then, the second source of this dangerous force may originate outside the City of the Dead. Yes. That's it. That's it. It's an outside force that wants something here in the City of the Dead and is willing to murder every one of us to get it. How do you know that, Parker? Why? I... am pretty sure of it. Why? Well... Well, I don't know. I... I just think so. Well, never mind now. That'll keep. Let's get back to the original question, the source of our danger. I've named two, clawfoot and an outside gang. I suppose I don't have to tell you the third source from which this force may be emanating? Well, I reckon you'd better. I don't follow you, Captain. Yes, go on, son. Quit your intimating and come out straight. I see you get what I mean anyway, Dad. All right, here it is. There's a fine chance that this malignant force we're fighting originates right in this little group.
3: You mean someone here is a murderer?
2: It's quite possible. Horse feathers. Why do you say that, Parker? Well, if you're trying to put the blame for all this business on Phyllis and me, you're out of luck, that's all. Why do you think I was accusing you? There are others in the room. Well, you wouldn't be likely to accuse your own father of the murder. No? And you've known Dr. Tuner all your life. Supposing I have. And that leaves only Phyllis and me. You can easily remove yourselves from the suspected group. How? Talk. How do you know it wouldn't put us in deeper than ever?
3: Oh, Jimmy, no, it won't. Captain Friday will understand. We ought to tell. Honestly, we should. I don't think so. Don't be stubborn, Jimmy. Please let me tell. I don't like it. Please, Jimmy. Please. Can't
2: keep a thing, can you?
3: Jimmy, you know better than that. You know I'll never say a word until you give me permission.
2: But it's the same as. I'll go ahead and tell it. After all, it's your story.
3: Jimmy, don't be angry. I've thought and thought about it, and and any way I look at it, we'd be better off than we are now.
2: You know what would happen to us if they found us guilty.
3: But they couldn't do that. I know they could. How do you
2: know what a jury would do?
3: Very well, Jimmy, if that's how you feel.
2: Well, go ahead and tell the whole thing. Maybe I'm all wet. Doesn't make much difference anyway. They're bound to find out if they keep looking. That's right, Miss Carol. We're bound to find out.
3: Oh, I don't know what to say now. Supposing I get us into a into a lot of trouble.
2: Oh, go ahead, Phil. Anyway, we're in up to our neck as it is.
3: Well... Please, could I have a glass of water first?
4: Yeah, of course you can. Shoulder hurting
3: you? Not too much. Just a numb ache. All right, here. Here's a glass. Thank you.
2: Now, we're ready when you are, Miss Carol.
3: Well, I... I guess I should tell you first that... I've known Jimmy Parker since I was six years old. He lived right across the street from me for ten years.
2: Should know each other pretty well.
3: Oh, yes. We went to grammar school together and then to high school. In his senior year, his folks moved back east and Jimmy went with them. I didn't see him for a year then until he came back out here to attend the University of California. That
2: explains how he happens to be living in a hotel.
3: Yes. Well, now that you know about Jimmy and me, I guess I'd better go still further back... To my grandfather. My mother spoke. His name was Dr. Theodore Beverly. And he was... What?
4: What did you say?
3: Why, why, I said my grandfather was Dr. Theodore Beverly.
4: Well, I swan. You hear that, Mayor? You mean Ted Beverly? Beverly that used to live on Ness Avenue before the San Francisco fire in
3: 1906? Oh, yes. Yes. Do you know him, Mayor Friday? What are you doing down
2: here in the city of the dead?
3: Why... I, I said, what are you doing down here? Captain... Captain, these young are up to no good. No good, do you hear me? They're of thieves and cutthroats,
5: that's what they are.
1: If you'd just hold your horses, Mayor, you'd hear the reason why Phyllis and Jimmy are down here. Or would you? Are they, after all, the thieves and cutthroats the old caretaker wants us to believe? Personally, I have my doubts, but we'll know better in just a minute.
2: Hold on, Dad. Give Miss Carol a chance. I don't like it. I don't want her down here. I don't want her and nobody else. Never mind that, Mayor. Now, go ahead, Miss Carol.
3: Well, before the 1906 fire and earthquake, my grandfather was a very wealthy man. He had a beautiful home on Van Ness Avenue with lawns and shrubbery and servants and... Oh, just everything, I guess.
4: You're right there, Miss Carol. I've seen your grandfather's place, and it did have everything.
3: All this part is just hearsay to me, you know was all over before I was born. Well, anyway, I learned just lately that Grandfather Beverly had a yen for collecting black pearls.
4: Yeah, listen to that, Doc. You hear what she says? Black pearls. Yeah, I can hear it all right, ma'am.
3: Yes, black pearls. Before the fire, he had one of the finest collections in the world. It was worth about a half a million dollars.
2: It's a lot of money, Miss Carol.
3: It wasn't for my grandfather, Captain Friday. He was very wealthy. Anyway, the fire came, destroyed his business, and wiped out his home, and left him just a little bit out of his mind. He never quite recovered from the
2: shock. What happened to him?
3: Oh, he lived for a long time after that. I remember him when I was a very small child. He, he was austere and gruff, and he walked with a kind of stoop. He always acted as though he, he had something awfully important on his mind. Yep, yep, I
4: remember that characteristic. used to have the habit of staring right through folks and give a person a creep. Yes, well, what finally became of him?
3: He was drowned. At least he disappeared, and about a week later, a body was taken from the waterfront, and the police identified it as my grandfather. But Mother was never sure.
2: Wasn't sure?
3: No. She kept looking for him for two years. It was no use. The body was finally buried out here in the city of the dead, and things settled down to normal
2: again. Your grandfather left you and your mother quite wealthy, I take it
3: Oh, no, hardly anything Only a little insurance
2: Well, what became of his business, all his money?
3: I don't know very much about it I was too little to understand while he was alive And and everyone's awfully vague about it now But but everything seemed to melt away without him to handle
2: it well, That might easily happen to a man's business, Miss Carroll, But it couldn't happen to anything as substantial as a half a million dollars worth of pearls What became of them?
3: We never knew until quite
2: recently. Then you know now?
3: Well, we... I...
2: Well, answer, answer. What's the matter with your tongue, young woman? Look here, you don't have to talk to her like that. Mind your own business, Parker. Say, what's the matter with you anyway, Mayor? You act like you were sitting on a keg of dynamite.
4: Well, I reckon the Mayor's just a mite interested in Miss Carroll's story, that's all.
2: Got a mighty funny way of showing it. Now then, if everyone has had his say, we'll go on. Miss Carroll, you do know where the black pearls are now.
3: Well... Well, I know what became of them.
2: Who told you?
3: What? Why, no one told me. Then how
2: did you find out? Is that the reason you're down here in the
3: City of the Dead?
2: Yes, Miss Carroll. How did you find out about the Black Pearls at this late date?
3: I had a birthday the 6th of last month. It was my 20th. Yes? On my birthday, I received a little package from Cartwright Hobson and Cartwright. The lawyers in the city, you know. And in the package was a letter from the firm saying that they were delivering a sealed package given them on the date of my birth. By my grandfather.
2: Yes? Were the pearls in the package, Miss Carroll?
3: Why, no, Mayor Friday. It was much too small for that. It was just a big letter of instructions.
2: Instructions for what?
3: Telling where the black pearls actually were.
2: Oh, I see.
3: Oh, I was awfully excited. I called Jimmy at his hotel over in Berkeley and had him come over right away.
2: Just how many persons did you let in on your secret?
3: I didn't tell anyone but Jimmy.
2: What about your mother?
3: No, not even her. I wanted to keep it from her until I could be sure it was true.
2: So Parker here was the only one you confided in? Yes. Well, what did your grandfather's letter say?
3: It said that this letter was written to protect my future in case of his... my grandfather's death before I reached the age of 20. It said that my mother was his favorite relative and that he'd always intended that the collection of black pearls should go to her first child. That's you? Yes. I was the only child born to my mother.
2: How many children were there in your grandfather's family?
3: Three. Two boys and my mother. Are they living? Uncle Robert may be alive. He disappeared after Grandfather's death, and we haven't heard from him since. Uncle Franklin and his wife are both dead. Did they
2: leave any children?
3: Yes. One son. What's his name? Bert Arnold. Where is he now? Why, why, I...
2: Dead. (sighs) What's that? I said he was dead. Murdered. It was his body you found strangled in old Morton's grave. Gosh, you're him, Mark And I can guess who did it. Out do the talking, dead. You mean the murdered man was this girl's cousin? The only known living relative that might dispute her ownership of the Black Pearls? That's what I said. No wonder you didn't want to tell. The three of you down here in the City of the Dead alone at night. One of the three found strangled in an old grave. Another of you with fresh blisters on your hands. And the motive... A half a million dollars worth of black pearls. You see, Phyllis, it's just as I said. Try to make a detective see light with all that evidence against us. Oh, but
3: Captain Friday, we didn't do it.
2: We didn't. What could your cousin have wanted in the City of the Dead?
3: What? Well, I suppose he came for the same reason we did. And what was that? To find
2: the black pearl. In the City of the Dead? Yes. Where? Bill, don't tell him. That isn't necessary. I'll let that go for now. Uh, but look here, son. I think you ought to make him tell where those pearls are hidden. I thought so. I'll bet you've known about them all along. That's why you're so anxious to keep everyone out of the city of the dead.
4: So you could hunt for them by yourselves, you and the doc. No, no, don't you go bringing me into your ruckus. I'm sitting on the sideline.
2: Captain, if you don't make that and stop accusing me of things, I'm going to lambaste him. Leave
4: the mayor alone, Parker. Uh, he started. Never mind.
2: Now, Miss Carroll, did you bring Bert Arnold down here with you the night he was murdered?
3: Why, well, well, I... I don't know what night he was murdered.
2: Didn't catch her, did you, mister? Now, I'll put it this way. Did you bring him down to the City of the Dead with you the night Parker's car was stolen? No. Did you know he was down here, that he was coming down?
3: No. Honestly, we didn't.
2: Now then, you say the Black Pearls are buried here in the City of the Dead.
3: Yes. Oh, no.
2: That was a rotten thing to do. Let the Pearls alone. They belong to Miss Carol. Well, well. So the pearls are buried in one of the graves in the City of the Dead. She didn't say that. She didn't need to. No wonder the City of the Dead has come alive by night. I wonder how many people in the world know about this. Oh,
4: probably very few, Captain. And the whole City of the Dead had been dug up and redug by now. Half a million dollars ain't to be sneezed at. Those
2: pearls belong to Miss Carroll no matter who finds them. Reckon they belong to the one who has them. Well, Mayor Friday, if you want the lowest old cod. Quiet, Parker. Miss Carroll, that letter of instructions from the law firm, where is it? What? We burned it. That's a lie, Parker. Hmm. Prove it. You'll be glad enough to bring it out when you go before a jury for murder. You don't think I killed Bert Arnold. You know you don't. And what's more, you don't think I stabbed Phyllis. You'd be surprised what I think. Do you know of anyone else who might have reason to stab her? There's somebody else mighty anxious not to have her tell what she knows about those pearls. Who? If I knew, there wouldn't be any mystery. By the way... Mayor Friday couldn't throw a knife, could he? He had the opportunity. Why, are you young whippersnapper, I... Hold it, Dad. That's enough out of you, Parker. Go on into your room. But what about Phyllis? Never mind about her. You get into your room before you get yourself in more trouble. Afraid to look into your own father's actions too closely? Is that it, Captain? Get into your room, Parker, now! Okay, okay. Never mind the strong-arm stuff. Dad, I want to talk to you and Doc Tooner out in the kitchen. Miss Carol, you'll be all right here for a few minutes. <sighs>
3: Yes, uh, I'll be all right, I guess.
4: Well, if you feel uneasy or need anything, you just sing out. Come on, Dad, in the kitchen. Yeah? What for? What's this all about? I think you know.
2: Close the door, Doc. You and Doc Tuner have got to face it. Let's get it over with. You'd think I was your prisoner instead of your father. Now then, Dad, what's it all about? Huh? What's what all about? Come on, come on. Why all this mystery with me? Don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. You know plenty. And if it's on the level, why can't you trust me? Ain't nothing to trust you with. You and Dr. Tuner here have known about those black pearls all along. I knew Doc was making a mistake when he confided in you. Oh, you did, did you? Don't you suppose I know why you haven't been down in the City of the Dead to look for graves that might have been tampered with? I wouldn't stick my nose in where I ain't wanted if I was you, son. You've been opening the graves yourself, you and Doc. Fine pair you are. You, with your talk about being mayor of the City of the Dead and aiming to see that none of your sleeping citizens shall be disturbed. No, no, Captain. And you, Doc, with your pretty talk about coming down here to visit your old friends and patients. And all the time you've been digging into grave after grave for those black pearls. Aren't you ashamed of yourselves? You ain't got no right to talk to your father like this, Captain. I suppose you both know you could be sent up for the rest of your natural lives for this. I don't reckon you'd do a thing like that, Captain Friday. I ought to. Captain, you're hurting your father mighty deep-talking that way. Well, what's he doing it for? Good heavens, man. He's got a trust here. He was put here to see that these sacred mounds of earth were not violated. And what has he done? Broken faith. Opened the graves himself. I reckon you see now, Doc Tuner, why I didn't want to bring nobody else into the city of the dead.
4: Captain, don't you reckon you better go a little easier on the man? Why should I? Well, after all, he's your father. Of course, I
2: know you didn't have any part in the things young Parker keeps hinting at. <laughs> Thanks. Grave robbing is bad enough in itself without adding murder to it. I can son, if that's all you got to say, I'll be turning in. Now listen here, Dad. There's something more behind all this. You aren't disturbing the dead just for those pearls. There is something else, isn't there? I can your head is lined up about right at the beginning, son.
4: Doc and me are just a pair of skunks. Look here, Doc. I can your dad is right, Captain. Ain't no more use to discuss those things.
2: That's Miss Carroll. Something's happened. Come on, you two. Oh. Miss Carroll, what is it? What's the matter?
5: Oh, look! Look there by the door!
2: Well, I'll be a son of a gun. <laughs> look, Doc, a
4: visitor. A skeleton. <laughs> Captain, what's that thing doing here? Where did it come from, Miss Carroll? What is it? Look! Doctor, get away! No, 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 Miss Carroll, no. I don't reckon the skeleton can hurt you much. Supposing you tell us how it got there so we can do something about it.
5: Well, the, the door just suddenly opened and the skeleton walked in. and collapsed on the floor. And then the door was pulled closed.
4: Yeah, I have a skeleton to do that, if you ask me. Hey, Doc, come here and look at this. What in the name of Sam Hill are you doing, George Captain? Look,
2: the bones are joined together with pieces of wire. Now, what sort of monkey business is this? Here, look, a message tied about its neck. Message? What does it say? It says, I have come to you out of the grave marked Theodore Beverly, but I do not belong in his grave. I am not his
4: skeleton. Theodore Beverly? Why, that's Miss Carol's grandfather.
5: My grandfather.
4: Grab her, Doc. She's fainted.
1: now the very skeletons in the City of the Dead are coming up out of their graves to identify themselves. But what does the message mean? I am out of the grave marked Theodore Beverly, but I am not his skeleton. And what is all this to do with the phantom church bell and old Clothwood? Many of these things will be revealed to you next week when you hear episode six of Carlton e. Morse's City of the Dead, entitled The Ghoul in the Grave. Midnight On the third night in the old abandoned graveyard, better known as the City of the Dead, a melancholy silence is settled on the cottage of Mayor Joshua Friday, lifelong caretaker of the old cemetery. Jimmy Parker, a prisoner, sleeps uneasily in one bedroom. His girlfriend, Phyllis Carroll, lies in a bed before the flickering embers of the dying front room fire. The knife wound in her back breaks her light breathing with barely audible moans. Doctor Tuner is sleeping heavily on the lounge, ready to attend her at an instant notice. The mayor and his son, Captain Friday, private investigator, occupied the double bed in the bedroom assigned to Miss Carroll before she was stabbed. Earlier this evening, but let Captain Friday tell it.
2: Earlier in the evening, a skeleton had suddenly been thrust through the front door to collapse on the rug, almost at Phyllis Carroll's feet. It was a skeleton neatly wired together, joint by joint. Around its spinal column was fastened a message which said, I have come out of the grave marked Theodore Beverly, but I do not belong in his grave. I am not his skeleton. Theodore Beverly was Miss Carroll's grandfather and was supposedly buried in the City of the Dead 14 years ago. He likewise had buried half a million dollars worth of black pearls in the City of the Dead before he died and left instructions where to find them in papers received by his granddaughter on her 20th birthday.
3: Yes, that's why Jimmy Parker and I came down to the old cemetery here. And, and now this skeleton has come up out of my grandfather's grave to tell me that he is not my grandfather and should not have been buried in my grandfather Beverly's tomb.
1: Yes, well, Miss Carroll went all to pieces over the presence of the skeleton. And it had taken several hours to get the household settled down for the night and to lay the skeleton out decently in the shed at the rear of the house. Finally, a semblance of quiet had descended upon the house, and its occupants had retired to their rest. And so came midnight.
4: Shoulder hurting you, Miss Carol?
3: Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Tuner. I, I didn't mean to awaken you.
4: You didn't. It was that chatter outside.
3: I was just dropping off to sleep when it began. Why do you suppose it does that? makes that awful noise. Captain Friday swears it's human.
4: Now, don't worry about old Crawford. You feel feverish?
3: No, just uncomfortable.
4: I see. Open your mouth. You put the thermometer on your tongue. There. Have you slept at all? Mm-mm. Why, Tunkett, didn't you say so? I'd have given you something? I was trying to know you were awake when you lay there still as a log. Mm-hmm. Here, I'll hold mm-hmm. your tongue still. I'll do the talking. You haven't been worrying, have you? Mm-hmm. Didn't I tell you not to talk? Here, you mean have that thermometer. Just a mite of fever. Not enough to keep you awake. I'm going to give you a sleeping powder and tuck you in. I want you to go to sleep.
5: I'll try.
4: What the fuck it's that?
5: Oh, that came from Jimmy's room. Hi. Hi out there. What's the matter? Is Phyllis all right?
4: What's the matter with you, Parker?
5: I can't sleep. I heard
4: someone talking.
5: Is Phyllis worse? No, Phyllis is not worse.
4: She's trying to get some sleep.
5: Look
2: here, Doctor. Let me out of this room. Let me sit beside her the rest of the night. I won't run off. Hey, who's making all this
4: rumpus? Who is that pounding? Hmm, you awake too, Captain? Young Parker's pounding on his door. He wants out. He does, huh? What do you want,
2: Parker? I can't sleep, Captain Friday. Let me sit by Phyllis the rest of the night. I won't run away. Why should I do that? Well, I feel easier. Oh, I'm
3: sure I could sleep if Jimmy was sitting by me.
2: You kids aren't up to something, are you?
3: Oh, no, really. I feel too woozy and Jimmy wouldn't go away without me.
4: Hello? Old Clawfoot's out again tonight. Yeah, he's been around for the last hour, up to some new devilment, I suppose.
2: Aren't you going to let me out?
4: All right, come on out.
2: I promise you, I won't try to escape. You won't try if you know what's good for you. That room gives me the creeps. Did you hear old Clawfoot at it again? How could we help it? I caught a glimpse of him through the bars of my window. He was out there by the shed. You mean where we put the skeleton? Say, I'd forgotten the skeleton. Yes, that's right where he was. That bird's got a nose for old bones. I think we'd better investigate. Doc, you stay here with Miss Carroll. Parker, you come with me. Uh, Captain, is the mayor sleeping to all this? What? Oh, Dad? Oh, I guess he is. Tell you what I'll do, I'll lock his door so nothing will disturb him. Let him sleep. Now, what in, Tucker, are you locking the mayor in for? I just told you, didn't you hear me, Doc? Sounds like a lot of foolishness to me. Never mind. Let's go, Parker. You all right, Phyllis?
3: I'm all right, Jimmy. Don't worry about me.
2: Come along, Parker. Yeah, Okay. You sure you saw Clawson hanging around the shed? You don't think I could mistake him, do you? This is a screwiest business. Here, keep on the grass.
5: Listen, the church bell.
2: If that isn't coming up the valley from the old church ruins, anything ever did. Hello, you were right, Parker. The shed door is open. Golly, I wonder. If... Let's have a look. The skeleton's gone. Door broken open and the skeleton gone. What? A sign of him? We laid him out on the bench there, didn't we? Look right around outside for footprints. Yeah, it's hard to see anything. Even with the moonlight. Yeah, but no fog. See anything? Nothing over here. I don't think so.
5: Hey! Captain Friday, come here. What have you found? Some kind of a
2: bone. Bone? Well, look what you found. You know what this is, Parker? No. One of the bones off the foot of our skeleton. Off the skeleton? Looks like he dropped something in his escape. Yeah, but Captain... Look over there. There's another. Yeah, who says a skeleton can't leave a trail? Come along, maybe we'll find another one. But it's taking us down into the city of the dead. What of it? Graveyard's a natural place for a skeleton, isn't it? Uh, I suppose so, but... I was right. Here's another bone. Looks like an ankle bone, doesn't it? I don't know. I never studied anatomy. (laughs) Do you think old Clawfoot has done this? Strung that skeleton's bones out over the country this way? It looks like it, doesn't it? I and mean, then why? I wish I knew. That's the reason we're following this trail of bones. If there's a purpose, we'll find it out soon enough. Oh, there's another bone. Where? There, ahead, glistening in the moonlight. Oh, so there is. Ah, it's a bone from the skeleton's lower leg. Looks like old bag of bones is going to pieces fast. And so am I. Saw I don't like trailing skeletons in a cemetery, not with that claw-footed thing slinking around. I think I see another bone ahead. The trail's leading us down toward the old church. Who knows? Maybe we'll find another message. Messages message is tied around the neck of a skeleton. That's about the limit. It was a weird bit, wasn't it? Let's see, what was it now? I have come to you out of the grave marked Theodore Beverly, but I do not belong in his grave. I am not his skeleton. That sounds as though the man who was buried as Phyllis's grandfather wasn't her grandfather at all. Do you think that's what the message intended to say? You know, Phyllis's mother never was certain that the body was that of Theodore Beverly. Well, uh, that was a good many years ago. If no one could be certain back at that time, how could anyone know for certain at this late day? I don't know. After all, who wrote the note? Hello? There's a bone from the upper leg. What do you suppose we'll find next? Look here, Captain Friday. Let's not carry this thing out any further. Let's go back to the house and wait till morning. I should say not. But you don't know what kind of a trap you're running us into. Trap? Yes, trap. Listen. There's the phantom church bell again. Look. Look over there. Didn't you see something move? I did not. No, well, I did. I doubt it. You're just plain scared. I tell you I'm not. I saw something. Something creeping. Something in the shadows of the tombstones. Rot. It isn't Rod. It isn't. It's something alive. There are creeping things all around us. I tell you, I can see them everywhere. I wish to heaven you'd point some of them out to me. I can't see a thing. Except up ahead I see another bone. I tell you, I'm going back. You're going ahead with me. I'm not! Parker, are you going to come along? No! There you are, and quick! I have a gun here, Parker, and it's loaded. Pretty brave with a gun in your hand, aren't you? I'll give you until I count to three to start walking toward that next bone. I won't move.
5: One... Two. Go ahead and shoot.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to shoot you, Parker. I just wanted to see if you were really as yellow as you were trying to make out. Yellow? Sure. Trying to kid me into believing you're deathly afraid of a cemetery at night. What about it? You haven't seen anything to make you scared and you know it. And you wouldn't be as scared as you pretended even if you did see all those creeping horrors you were babbling about. <laughs> creeping horrors. Yeah. Pretty smart, aren't you? Any man who'll stand up against a gun, as you've just done, isn't very much afraid of anything. Thanks for nothing. So, as I've got it figured out, there's some very definite reason why you don't want us to go any further. Go ahead and figure all you like. I'm all through figuring tonight, fella. I know now why you balked on me. How do you know? Because I have the same suspicion as you where this trail of bones is leading us. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. You think, and so do I, that someone is guiding us to the place where the Beverly Pearls are buried.
1: What is this trail of bones? This search for a king's ransom in Pearls? What are these messages from the grave? If the skeleton in the grave of Miss Carol's grandfather is not her grandfather, then who is it? And where is Grandfather Beverly? Beverly? Supposedly for so long at his rest And why... But more in just a moment
2: Captain Friday, I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about oh, yes, you do, Parker You think, and so do I That someone is guiding us to the place where the Beverly Pearls are buried No, nothing of that kind, it's not true Oh, yes, it is Now well, then, are you going to come along with me to find out Or do you want me to go on alone? I wasn't thinking about the black pearls. Zeus, you weren't. Look here, Parker. There's no use trying to kid me. I can read a man's face, and I know exactly what's been passing through your mind. Now, if you like, I'll take you back to the house and lock you in and then return alone. Uh, I'll go along with you. I thought you would. Oh, I wish that bell would stop that. Forget about it. Look, here's a little heap of foot bones. Skeleton's lost his second foot now. And right up there ahead is... No, it's his ankle bone. Well, I'll certainly know bone structure of the human body by the time I get out of this place. Too bad you're not studying medicine over at the University of California. Look at the starch you'd have on most of the fellas. No, thank you. And I'm not growing up to be a grave digger either. (laughs) Well, here's the bone of the lower left leg. We're getting well down into the city of the dead, do you realize that? Mm, We must have gone a mile. If it was just a little lighter, we'd be able to see the outline of the old church. I wish I knew who threw that knife that stabbed Phyllis. Mm. A number of things I'd like to know. For instance, I'd give a half share on the Rockefeller Foundation to know how come Lammy Fink was scared to death. And who burned down Lammy's shack. And who it was that tried to get into your room and was murdered by old Clawfoot. And who Clawfoot is. And who filled up Ernie Morton's grave. And who tried to shoot Dad down in the old church. And, and what your father does every night when he slips out of the house after everyone else is asleep? There's another bone that makes both feet and legs of our skeleton we ought to gain on him fast now that he's left his lower extremities behind. Look, there's a little pile of bones over to the left. Ah, oh, so there is. If I'm not mistaken, those are the bones of his fingers and right hand. And I'd still like to know what the mayor does when he slips out. You'll be just as well off, Parker, if you don't wonder too much. Go on. Well... Uh... We'd probably find out a lot about this mystery if we did know anything. I'll tend to that end of the matter. Well, there's the bones of the left hand in a nice little pile. I wonder what's become of old Clawford himself. He certainly made himself absent since we came out of the house. <laughs> He's a little like the pink flea. Here one moment and where the next. Well, anyway, your father won't be out tonight seeing you locked him in before we... Let the mayor alone. Yeah. Well, well, we must be getting near the end of the trail. There's the two forearms of our skeleton together. Look here, Captain Friday. What do you really expect to find at the end of this trail? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if it were the pearls. The why and the deuce anyone would want to give the secret away, I don't know. No one knows where the pearls are hidden but Phyllis and myself. Well, if you knew, why didn't you dig them up the first night, the night you were taken prisoners by the mayor and Doc Tuner? We... well... we certainly did some digging. The blisters on your hand show that. Oh, I dug all right. Well, did you find any? I guess I miscalculated in the dark. Did you dig in just one grave? I didn't say I opened a grave. Well, then, did you dig in just one spot? Yeah. Why did you give up so easily? Well, we thought we heard someone moving around in the city of the dead, and Phyllis got scared. She wouldn't let me try a second time. Heard someone, huh? Did you see anyone? It's just shadows. We couldn't be sure it was anyone. Phyllis was nervous about being down here anyway, and you can't blame her. No, I suppose not. Then what happened? Well, I'll lay some more bones, Captain. Oh, good. The two upper arms. We must be getting close. There isn't a heck of a lot left to this skeleton. Now, go on. What happened after Miss Carol insisted that you leave the City of the Dead? We went back to the car, which we left on the road outside the City of the Dead above the mayor's cottage. Didn't you fill up the grave? You mean the hole, don't you? Yes. Didn't you fill up the hole you dug? No. We left in kind of a hurry. Then my cue is to look for the excavation. Well, not a good it will do you. Why do you say that? Because I've seen the spot since, and it's been filled up. It has? You certain? Yeah, I know it has. When did you have the opportunity of investigating? You've been locked up since that night. I saw the place the day you took me down into the city of the dead and discovered that Ernie Morton's grave had been opened. Oh, so that's it. But look, look there. <laughs> well, ain't that something? Our skeleton has had the audacity to leave his pelvis bone lying right out in the open. I suppose we'll find a trail of ribs and vertebrae scattered along ahead of us next. I suppose so. By George Parker, why didn't I think of it before? I know where we're headed for. Yeah? Where? I'll bet your money this trail is going to lead us directly to Ernie Morton's grave. You don't say. I most certainly do say. I'll be a mighty disappointed man if I don't find the grinning skull of our friend the skeleton perched on Ernie Morton's headstone. Uh, there's a couple of ribs. Two more of them down there about 20 yards. Said enough. We'll be in sight of Ernie's grave in a few minutes now. And well, what will you do if the trail does end there? We'll sit down and keep guard until morning, and then first thing after breakfast, we'll reopen that grave. There must be something buried there. All the activity seems to center around the place. Well, if you're going to do it by daylight... Shut up, Parker. I hear something.
5: What is it? Shh,
2: Someone's digging over there. Not a word now. Follow me. We'll sneak up on the grave, Robert. Keep down in the shadows of the headstone. I can see his outline. careful, he'll hear you. Look. Look there on the headstone. The skull. The skull of our skeleton. The end of the trail. And it is Ernie Morton's grave. If that fellow would turn around, I'd be able to see his face in the moonlight. Look. Look, now you can see who it is.
3: Dr. Tuner, why are Jimmy and Captain Friday staying out there so long? Do you think anything's happened?
4: No, no, you don't need to worry about them. Captain Friday can take care of himself and young Parker.
3: But they were just going out to examine the shed and and they've been gone almost an hour.
4: You just settle down and go to sleep. Hasn't that powder I gave you made you drowsy?
5: Yes, but but I keep thinking Oh yes. He's right outside.
4: I don't reckon it matters much if he is. Oh,
3: but why don't Jimmy and Captain Friday drive him away?
4: You can't tell. Maybe they're trying to trail old Clawfoot and he gave him the slip and came back to the house.
3: Oh, but what does he want here? Why does he keep hanging around the house?
4: Well, you're not afraid with me here, are you, Miss Carroll?
3: No, but I wish Jimmy was back in the house.
4: Yeah, I reckon you're safe enough. And then there's the mayor sleeping right in the next room. Well, oh, goodness knows how he can sleep with all this ruckus.
3: But his door's locked. He wouldn't be any good to us if, if anything should happen.
4: He mm-hmm. could break the lock easy enough. It's tolerably old. Well, there isn't any need, young lady.
3: Oh, oh I am afraid, Dr. Tooner. Maybe Jimmy and Cap- Captain Friday were lured away from the house on
4: purpose. Frickety, I never thought of that. See, maybe I'd better wake up to the mayor. Then if he says so, I'll bust the lock. Captain had no business locking the door in the first place.
5: Oh, I wish you would. Oh, listen to him. Look. Look.
4: What's in to... Look.
5: Look at the window. Look at the window. Where? I don't see It was there. It was there at the window staring in at
4: me. Who, old clawfoot?
5: Yes. Yes. Oh, it was horrible. I'm
4: getting mighty brave. I'm going to rouse the mayor.
5: Mayor. I am mayor. Mayor Friday. Oh. oh, hurry. Hurry. I can hear that thing prowling around outside the house.
4: You're sleeping dang heavy even for the mayor. Again. Hi there, Mayor.
5: Mayor Friday. Hi in there, Mayor. What do you suppose is the matter with him?
4: It's well, funny I can't get a sound out of him. Listen a moment. See if I can hear him breathing.
5: What do you suppose makes him do that?
4: I can't get him in here at all. It's funny, too, because he always snores like a foghorn when he's sleeping heavily.
3: You don't suppose something has happened to him, too, do you?
4: What well, could happen to a man in there? The windows are barred and the door's been locked ever since Captain Friday left. But,
3: but the windows were barred and the door was locked when someone stabbed me.
4: Oh, well, Sir I wonder if the mayor's been stabbed. I'm going to open that door. Oh,
3: yes, please. I think you ought watch you.
5: Oh, Dr. Turner, I'm so
4: frightened. You're me going now.
5: He's at the window again. He's at the window. Oh, make it go away. Well,
4: what do you want me to do? Wave the tablecloth at him? You keep still. I can't do more than one thing at a time, and I'm going to see what's happened to the mayor.
5: All, all right. You don't look at the
4: window if he frightens you.
5: Oh, I can't help it. What, what are you going to do with that chair?
4: I'm going to break in the mayor's door. Oh. You know, I wished I had a gun. I'd take a pop at that thing. dad burn his way anyway.
3: oh, Please hurry with the door. Uh. What
5: are you doing now?
4: I'm bringing the other furniture back so I can get a good swing. Now then, we'll see how strong that lock is. Uh, Starting to the You've broken the leg off the chair. Blast the chair.
5: Uh, she's giving. She's giving away. Yeah.
4: Uh, there she is. Is he in there? Is he all right, Dr. Tuner? Blacker and Sam Scratch in here. Where's the mayor's flashlight?
5: They're on the table.
4: Yeah, now we'll know in about a half a minute. Watch what.
5: Doctor? Dr. Tuner? What's the matter? What's happened in there? Oh, oh Dr. Tuner? Dr.
4: Tuner? He here. The mayor ain't any place in that room. He's not there. He's not hiding her hair of oh, but... Oh, are you sure? Yeah, of course, I'm sure. I even looked under the bed for the body. But
5: but how did he get out? Are the bars still in the window? Yeah,
4: I looked especially to see. Now if that ain't the craziest thing I ever heard tell. Of. Oh, but
5: but he must be there. Well, he ain't. Oh, but but people simply can't just disappear through a locked door. They can't. Well, the
4: mayor's gone and done it.
5: Oh, but if the mayor's disappears, then then one of us may be next.
4: Mm, I don't calculate that oh. makes me feel any better.
5: Oh, I wish Jimmy was here. Where is he? Dr. Turner, Dr. Turner, do you suppose he and Captain
3: Friday have vanished, too? No, I ain't
4: thinking of anything, except I'm going out and clean up on that tall-footed son of a gun in about a half a minute.
5: Oh, please, you won't leave me, will you? Promise me you won't.
4: You don't reckon you need to worry on that, score. I ain't one of them brave fellows that goes out looking for trouble. I'll stay here with you, all right.
5: But what do we do? You... you don't suppose that... that thing... What thing? Well, whatever it was that got the mayor... You you don't think it's still in the house, do you?
4: Well, how should I know? I don't even know that the mare's been gone.
3: Well, if something hasn't got him, then then what has become of him?
4: Did your imagination always work over time this way? A fellow could get to creeps just sitting listening to you imagining things. Well,
5: I'm sorry if I'm acting badly, but but nothing like this ever happened to me before.
4: Well, it doesn't happen to me every day either, thank heaven.
5: If, if that thing outside the door would only go away, I I wouldn't feel this way, but Oh, Dr. Tuner, Dr. Tuner, look. Look at the front door. It's opening.
4: Gosh sakes, I forgot to lock it.
5: Oh, Hurry, hurry. Lean against it. Oh, hold it shut. Don't let him get it open. I've
4: got it. If I can push it shut, I... <laughs> Who's out there?
5: Oh, oh, can't you hold it? Can't you hold it?
4: I'm trying my dangit. Whoever's on the other side of that door is as strong as an ox. <sighs>
5: It's the clawfoot of You mustn't let him get in. You mustn't. You mustn't. I can't get any hold with my feet. He's gaining on me. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Dr. tuner. the fireplace poker's on the rack. Can you reach it? Sure,
4: it'll give me something to fight with.
5: Oh, can you reach it? Yeah. Yeah, I got
4: it. I'm going to let go of the door and crack him over the head with the poker when he comes in. Oh, be careful.
5: Oh. if he comes within <sighs> range of this poker. <sighs> <gasps>
1: has descended on the old caretaker's cottage? What of the girl's peril, alone in the presence of the wailing phantom? What of the ghoul caught digging in Ernie Morton's grave? What of the skeleton that walks, the phantom church bell, the buried treasure of black pearls? Listen at this same hour next week when we bring you Chapter 7 of the Carlton E. Morse adventure drama City of the Dead. Listen to Chapter 7, entitled... Captain Friday vanishes.